Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I Am Persuaded podcast. Thank you so much for listening to each episode, and I truly hope they're a blessing and encouragement to your daily walk with the Lord. This week on the podcast, we're going to be starting a new four-episode series regarding spiritual gifts. And so I taught a class at my at Beulah Baptist Church uh, in August on Sunday nights just regarding spiritual gifts, what they are, and what Scripture has to say about them. And so this was a four-week series, and so we're going to have four different episodes on the podcast. We'll post every other Friday and just looking at scripture and what it has to say about spiritual gifts. These episodes are between 45 minutes to an hour in length, and so they're longer than my normal podcast episode. But I pray there'll be an encouragement to you as you uh, just listen to what scripture has to say about these topics. And so there might be some uh, laughter from the audience. There might be some audio mess ups here or there, but that's simply because it was recorded live and it wasn't recorded just for me sitting down talking into a microphone. And so hopefully you can bear with some of the audio mishaps here and there, but I pray uh, that you'll listen and you'll open your open scripture and let the Spirit speak to you regarding your spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Thank you guys so much for coming. We're going to be unpacking for the next four weeks spiritual gifts, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's a study that um, I, have, I had not done previously until studying this myself, and so I'm not going to pretend in these four weeks like I know everything because I don't. And so you might disagree with something I say, and that's okay, and I might be wrong on something I say. And so I'm praying and looking to, for wisdom from God and His Word about these topics. And there's a lot of misinformation about spiritual gifts, but there's a lot of truth about spiritual gifts as well. And so I want us to unpack that in the next four weeks. And I think if we can understand what our gift is, and we can employ it in our life for Christ, we will be better equipped Christians for the weeks, months, and years ahead. And so we can use these gifts to go forward in great ways and great power with Christ and how he's called us to minister, and he's called us all to something. And so no matter if your gift is just wisdom, if your gift is charity, if your gift is discernment, or if your gift is teaching, there's a place for you inside of the body of Christ. And so I want you to know that tonight as we begin looking at spiritual gifts. Let's pray, and we'll dive in. Father, we love you. We just thank you so much for all that you do for us. Father, we're thankful for these, uh, this body of believers that will gather together on a Sunday night, Father, just to hear your word. And so, Father, thank you for allowing them to come out. Thank you for giving them safety as they travel. Father, I pray for the other classes that's going on, that you would use those speakers. You would encourage those that are listening. And, Father, through all this, through all four weeks, through every class, that Jesus would get all the glory, Jesus would get all the praise, because it's in his name we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So tonight's going to be like the first day of class. And so if you, those of you that are in college, those of you that have been in college or high school, first day is always syllabus day. And so you always love syllabus day because once you get the syllabus, it's quick. There's no homework. Actually, I'm giving you homework tonight, so I do apologize. Sorry. You can throw tomatoes later. But um, that's how it is. So we're going to go over some preliminary stuff, and then I want you to take a spiritual gift test sometime this week online if you have that ability. If not, that's okay. We're going to unpack how you can figure it out through Scripture as well during the next couple of weeks. But tonight we're going to cover just some basic groundwork that Paul lays out for us in the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's read together and look together at the first seven verses as we begin this first week. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus the cursed. 
and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences in administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And so as the first week, we're going to unpack Paul's first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is where he begins to lay the groundwork for what are spiritual gifts. And if we would read on in this chapter, he'll give you a list of a lot of spiritual gifts. If you go to Paul's writings in Romans chapter 12, there you will see the same gifts and some other gifts. And then if in Ephesians chapter 4, we have the spiritual gifts listed out there as well. And so there's different gifts, and Paul speaks of them at different times. And so we know by Paul's writings in the New Testament that these spiritual gifts were important to him if he instructed all of these churches on these areas of spiritual gifts. And so they're important. And so we're going to look at these different things tonight. And I want to begin with an illustration. So those of you that were at Youth on Wednesday, you heard this. So just bear with me. You'll hear it again. This, there was a guy in New York. His lifelong dream was to sail across the Atlantic. And so his whole life, what he would do is he would take all of the change that he could build up and he would put it in a jar. And he said, I'm going to one day sail across the Atlantic from New York City and I'm going to sail back. It was a 14-day trip. And so what he did was he saved all of his money and finally years later, he had just enough money to buy one ticket for one cruise for 14 days. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sail across. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to sail back. It's going to be fantastic. Well, he did not have enough money to buy food. And so all he had money for was the one ticket to sell over there and to sell back. So what he did was he so badly wanted to go on the cruise. He just got enough money. What he did was he packed himself three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for each day of the 14 days. Now, I don't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I would, I would starve if that was what I had to do. I'd rather have a tomato and grilled cheese or something, but not peanut butter and jelly. So anyways, this guy, every day, morning, noon, and night, he would be with his friends that he met on the boat, and he would say this, hey guys, i got to go back to my cabin, I'm going to take a nap. But what he was really doing is he was going back to his cabin, eating his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, then he was going back out to have fun on the cruise. He did that three times a day. Well, they get to their destination, they start to sail back, he's still doing this, and he had met some friends. And finally, I think it's three days left until the end of the trip, they said, hey man, why don't you go with us to lunch? He said, no, nah, I'm going to go take a nap, I don't want to go eat that food. They said, dude, just come on. He said, well, to tell you the truth, all I've done my whole life is save money for this cruise, and I do not have enough money to buy food on this ship. They said, dude, what do you mean? With your cruise ticket comes all of your food. <laughs> so you can imagine how upset this guy was. He had spent all this money on this cruise, and for 12 days maybe, he had ate nothing but a disgusting peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> when he could have had all-you-can-eat pizza and all-you-can-eat ice cream. The man was blessed, but he didn't know it. And so he had all of the benefits of a paid-in-full cruise ticket, but he failed to tap into those benefits. A lot of times that's a Christian. We have so many benefits after salvation, including spiritual gifts. We have so many benefits that come with our justification and our sanctification and our salvation. We have so many benefits. But what we find in churches, and even in myself, we fail to tap into all that Christ has to offer. And there's so much, including the gifts that he has gifted us with. So I want us to look at this idea tonight. There on your outline, we've got number one. We see ignorance slash false teaching regarding spiritual gifts. Ignorance and false teaching concerning your spiritual gift. Look at verse number one while well, you fill out your outline. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And so here Paul is beginning to write to these Corinthians on the topic of spiritual gifts. 
And so Paul had been to Corinth before. He had no, no doubt there were believers in Corinth, and he's writing to those that are believers in this city of Corinth. But if you study out the Corinthians, they were ones that were believing in the gospel, but they, kind of like Galatians this morning, they had removed themselves from the true teaching of the gospel. And so what they were doing is they were following after world philosophy, they were following after world teaching, and they were doing what a lot of Christians do is self-righteous living. They were doing whatever made them happy. And so they were involved in wicked practices, they were involved in perverted practices, they were involved in a lot of things. But something that they had uh, done in and of themselves is they had begun elevating the gift that they were given and saying, my gift is better than your gift. And we're all guilty of wanting to be better than somebody else and pointing our fingers. So the Corinthians, that's what they were doing. Hey, my gift, better than your gift, so ha. So that's their mindset. And so Paul understands this going into as he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And no doubt he had most likely taught them before regarding spiritual gifts. Because as you study out the letters of Paul, as you study out his teachings, you find that spiritual gifts are important to Paul, and it's essential to a Christian's personal growth. And so Paul would have no doubt when he preached to them and he saw conversions, he would have instructed them on this idea of spiritual gifts. And he's rehashing that here in chapter 12. But he says, do not be ignorant brethren. Listen, on your outline there, Satan's main goal is to divide the church. Satan's main goal is to divide the church. He has tried ever since Genesis chapter 3. His agenda as he slithered up to Eve is, I want mankind apart from God. His whole master plan, Satan's, is I want to overthrow God's plan. And all through the 6,000 years we've had earth, he has been trying to deceive mankind. He has been trying to drive a wedge between mankind and God. And sin already done that. We rebelled willingly. Satan did not make us sin. We sinned willingly, which drove that wedge between us and God. And Satan loves that. But Satan in the church, Mr. Daniel really hit this this morning, Satan in the church, he wants to divide believers against each other. And so there is a lot of false teaching regarding spiritual gifts. And Paul, even in Paul's day, he understood this. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Don't be ignorant regarding the true teachings around spiritual gifts. And so you'll there in your outline, some teach if you do not have, or maybe not, some teach if you do not have a certain gift, then you are not saved. And so I've heard that before. There's been, I've been on the phone till 3 a.m. 3 a.m. with someone that has said to me, Travis, if you do not speak in a certain tongue, then you are not a born-again believer. And so there is false teaching, and I do not believe that whatsoever, so that's not what you're going to learn this in these next three weeks. That's not true. That's not Bible. I don't believe. And so it's nowhere in Scripture. It does not say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and have this certain gift, they shall be saved. No, it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And so there's nothing contingent on your relationship with Jesus except faith in Jesus. And so these people, they told me, hey, if you don't have this certain gift, then you're not a believer. If you don't possess this gift, then you do not have the spirit indwelling on the inside of you. That's not true. And so no different than anything else in Christianity, Satan wants to come. He wants to erect false teachers that are going to spew hate and lies regarding a truth in God's word. Spiritual gifts is a doctrine in our Bible. So it's true, and there is true teaching behind it. But what Satan wants to do, he wants to come, he wants to deceive, and he wants to tell you that this is true and God's word is not true. And so Satan's plan is to divide. So here's my word about that. Be careful, it's on your outline, be careful what you believe and who you listen to. Be careful what you believe and what you listen to. Because as I've been studying for this series, I have typed in online spiritual gifts. And man, there is some whacked out 
thoughts regarding spiritual gifts. And so you've got to be careful. With anything in life, with anything that you hear in life, you should have the same principle. If I hear something, I want to align it with the pages of Scripture. If the pages of Scripture do not clarify what I'm hearing, it's not true. That should be our mindset with everything in life, even spiritual gifts. And so no matter what it is, if someone says it, even a preacher that we have not heard of before, he might not know his background, if he says that he claims to be a preacher, you need to align it with God's Word. And if God's Word doesn't say it and clarify it, it's not true. Don't believe it. Don't practice it. God's Word is the final authority for everything in our life. Even, and Mr. Daniel said this this morning, he must have saw my outline, there are men in the pulpit that will preach to you something that is not in God's Word. They will preach to you a different gospel. They will preach to you something that is not true. I have witnessed it. There are people in our state that claim to be in Baptist churches that will preach to you something that is not in Scripture. There's a church in Robbins that will preach to you something that is not in Scripture. And so remember what Satan did to Jesus. He comes to him and he plucks God's Word out of context and he says, this is what it means, Jesus, so how about you do this? Now Jesus being fully God, he knows the Word. He is the Word. And so he did not fall into the temptation of Satan. But what Satan will do is he'll try to use someone that claims to be a teacher of God's word. They'll twist and pull a verse out of context, out of its original meaning, and they'll say, hey, this is what it means. And so we have to be careful who we listen to and what we believe regarding spiritual gifts. And so he says, do not be ignorant. Be careful what you know. Be careful what you hear and believe about spiritual gifts. Then Paul draws an analogy out of verse 2. Look at it. You know that when you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. And so he says, before you placed your faith in Jesus, regarding anything, you would believe whatever you heard, no matter who it was. You would listen to whoever. And so he said, hey, don't live your life like you used to before you placed your faith in Jesus regarding this topic. You need to be dialed in. You need to be understanding what the Holy Spirit wants you to know and how he wants you to use your gift. Don't be ignorant. Don't be falling away to every false teaching and every uh, form of idolatry that comes up regarding all of these topics. He says, hey, be wise and understand Scripture regarding these topics. So he says, don't be like you were when you were a Gentile. If we are acting like we used to, then we're not representing Christ well and we're not implementing our spiritual gift as Christ would call us to live. And so if we are living in our spiritual gift, we're not going to be living like we used to. And so employing our spiritual gift is us growing in our relationship with Jesus. Number two on the outline, this is the preliminary stuff, this is the syllabus, the stuff you already know, but we got to cover it before we get into the deeper stuff in the next three weeks. To have a spiritual gift, you must profess Christ. To have a spiritual gift, you must profess Christ. Look at verse 3 of chapter 12 as you fill out your outline. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So Paul is saying here, in lack of better terms, that if someone says Jesus is Lord, most likely they are saying it because they are convinced by the Holy Spirit and by God's Word that Jesus Christ is Lord. If someone's going to come to you, and I've had people say this, say Jesus is not Lord, they're coming to you not in a spirit of the Holy Spirit. They are coming to you in a spirit of self-righteousness. They're coming to you in a spirit of arrogance and pridefulness, and they don't know Jesus. And so Paul is saying in verse number 3, for you to understand your spiritual gift, for you to even have a spiritual gift, you must profess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So that means those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, we have received a spiritual gift. There on your outline, the bestowing of gifts is given the instant you profess Christ. The bestowing, of gift is given, the bestowing of gifts is given the instant you profess Christ. 
And so the day that we bowed our head, no matter where we were, if we were in this church, some of you got saved in this building, I'm sure. If you were in this church, if you were in that church, if you were at summer camp, if you were in your closet, in your car, no matter where you were, the moment you said, Jesus is Lord, I'm repenting of my sins, and I'm placing my faith in the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection, and Jesus is going to save me. The day that happened, you were instantly giving a, given a spiritual gift. And so just like your first birth, all of you, when you were born physically the first time, you were given some attributes, you were given some things from your mom, from your dad, some DNA, you were given different characteristics and even talents. And so something that's not on the outline, but we need to say, we need not to confuse talents and abilities with spiritual gifts. A lot of times you look it up online, you'll find, oh, being a star basketball player is a spiritual gift. Well, nope, because there are lost people who have, are very good at basketball. And so talents should not be confused with spiritual gifts, but every good thing does come from God. And so if we have any talent, any ability, it is from God, and it is to be used to glorify God. But at your physical birth, you were all given, I was given some talent, some ability, some characteristics, our personality, things like that. Nothing is different from your second birth. So the day you placed your faith in Jesus, there on your outline, second birth is the same way. At conversion, you received your spiritual gift. That is the moment you were given a gift. And so the day you placed your faith in Jesus, the day you said, Jesus is Lord of my life, I'm believing in the death, burial, and resurrection, that very moment bestowed upon you was at least one spiritual gift. The Bible's clear. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift gift. Some Christians will argue that Christians only get one spiritual gift. I would disagree. I think we could get multiple, and I believe that's evident in different Christians that I've seen it, and I think uh, we all could have multiple spiritual gifts. But nevertheless, the moment you placed your faith in Jesus, that is the very moment that Christ gave you a spiritual gift. So that means that on your outline, this adds unity to the body. And so with a lot of division, with a lot of things that are different in our world, with Satan trying to uh, preach ignorance and false teaching, there is a lot of um, division in the church. But one thing that unifies everyone sitting in here tonight is we all profess the same Lord. That's agreeable with everybody in here. So out of 7.8 billion believers, or people on the earth, there's not that many believers, you can clearly see that. But out of the millions of believers on the face of the planet, we have one thing in common. We all have professed the same Lord. There's not multiple ways to salvation. There's not multiple ways to receive a gift. We have all professed Jesus. And so if you have placed your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and Jesus as Lord, you have been given a spiritual gift. So number one, we see to receive a spiritual gift, you have to be a believer. Number three on the outline, diverse but unified. Diverse but unified. Look at verse four. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. And so Paul is writing to these Corinthian believers, but, and they've stopped acting like and living like they should inside of their relationship with Jesus. And so Paul was there teaching, probably not too long ago, and giving them instructions about spiritual gifts. And so I said in the beginning, here they are now pointing fingers saying, my gift is better than your gift. So, for example, someone would say, I have the gift of evangelism. I go out and I, I make disciples. And some would say, well, I just have the gift of charity. And so the guy would say, well, you, my gift is better than yours. And so that was what the Corinthians were guilty of. And so here's Paul saying, okay, there is a lot of diversity, but you're given the gift by the same spirit. And so we see diverse, but the same spirit. There on your outline, diverse, but the same spirit. 
Paul begins, there are diversities in the church. And listen, that's okay. There are differences among every believer. Everybody possesses different personalities. Everybody possesses different characteristics. And everybody has a different gift. I mean, you might have the same gift as someone else, but you're not going to use it the same way. And so there are diversities inside of the body of Christ, but the same spirit. And so get this, we are not called to uh, uniformity, we're called to unity. And I think that's on the outline. We're not called, we are called to unity, not uniformity. And so here's a way Satan will come in and he will try to deceive about the teaching of spiritual gifts. He will say, if you do not look and act and talk and serve like so-and-so, then you're not a true believer in Christ. That's what he'll say. And so he'll say, if you don't do it like he does it, if you don't say it like he says it, if you don't act like he acts, then therefore you are not a true disciple of Jesus. And so that's what Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 12 to do away with. Spiritual gifts, they're different for every person. We will minister in these spiritual gifts differently uh, than each believer, but we all have the same spirit. So we're not, we are called to unity, not uniformity. Conformity is not unity, and the church, I believe, has failed at this for a long time. We've said, if you don't look like me, if you don't talk like me, if you don't act like me, if you don't serve like me, then you're not serving Christ at all. And that's not in the Scripture. Scripture does call us to be unified as believers, and we're unified under the bloodstained banner of Jesus. We are together, and we all have professed the same Lord, and because we've professed the same Lord, we have unity in at least that, that we are believers. And we're supposed to be unified together as we serve Jesus in whichever area of ministry he places us as we serve Jesus. But we should not get the idea that just because I might have a speaking gift and that someone has a serving gift, then the speaking gift is better than the serving gift. That's not at all true. That does not line up with Scripture. And so Paul says there is difference, different gifts, but the same Spirit. And so though we have diver there's diversity in our gifts, we all share the same gift giver. There's diversities in the gifts, but we all have the same gift giver. We need to understand that. Because we have the same gift giver, no gift is better than the other. And so just where Jesus is the at salvation, we received the greatest gift, eternal life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit came to indwell on the inside of every believer. And at that moment, that's when you received your gift. So you were given to it by grace, but the Spirit is the one that gives the gift as he indwells on the inside of you. And that's, what it's, that's why it says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And so just like we all have unity in, we profess the same Lord. If we're saved here tonight, we profess the same Lord. There's only one Lord, it's Jesus. And if we're saved here tonight, we all have the same spirit and dwelling on the inside of us that unifies us together under the bloodstained banner of Jesus. And so we know the spirit is working in our life to make us more like Jesus. I said this at youth, I said it this morning. It's the spirit of God that takes the word of God to make us like the son of God. Spirit of God makes, takes the word of God to make us like the son of God. And so as he equips us and we use the gifts that he's given us, that's him day by day, step by step, making us and conforming us, not like other believers, but like Jesus. And so there are diversity in gifts, but the same spirit. God is a God of diversity. You look at our fingerprints. Not one person out of the 7.8 billion has the same fingerprint as, as me. You look at snowflakes. There is no snowflake that's identical. You look at leaves and you look at different things in our world. God is a God of diversity and uniqueness among his creation. And so he's made me different than he's made you. He's made you different than he's made me. He's made all of us different in believers, but he unifies us together in his body because we've believed in Jesus. And then he's given us a gift as the spirit. 
And so just like you have a different personality than me, none of you share my personality. I don't share your personality. And so in doing that, God selected a gift that was unique to you that he saw before the foundation of the world that that person, when he's looking at me, Travis Shelton can one day use this gift for the glory of God. That's what he's done with you. When you placed your faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God indwelled on the inside of you. He gave you a gift, and we share this more tonight in the same gift giver, but we all have a different gift. There are then diverse ministries, but the same Lord. Look at verse 5. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Paul now, so in verses 4, 5, and 6, what Paul is doing is he's showing how the Spirit, the Son, and the Father work together in bestowing gifts to believers. And so verse 4, we have the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the gift when he dwells on the inside of us. Verse 5, here is Jesus the Son and his role in the giving and bestowing of gifts. And he says, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And so we say, well, what's he saying here? There's different ways to use your gift. And so this is the practical application of any spiritual gift. And so what he's saying is, there are, you can have the same gift, but different ministries. For example, I have, since I've been serving here at Beulah, I have taught older adults, I have taught senior citizens, I have taught kids, I have taught younger kids, I teach teenagers every week. And so I do not change gifts, I just adapt the gift that I've been given of teaching to the different audience that I'm teaching to. And so what he's saying is, we all, under the same spirit as we profess the same Lord, we've been given the gift that we're to use to profess Jesus, but what are we to be doing as we have this gift? Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe not verbally, maybe not on social media. However your gift allows you to work, you are doing the same thing that I'm doing. You are showing Christ to a lost world. That's our mission. That's our passion. That should be what we are about, is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit gives us the gift, and our role in the gift is we can use this gift in various settings. And so no matter what setting you live in, no matter where you work, no matter what you do, the gift that God has given you is to be used for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can use the same gift for different ministries. And Jesus, when he was here on earth, he came to serve, not to be served. And said, so, look, that's us. You say, what are these spiritual gifts about? They're about serving. They are about equipping the believers in Jesus to serve the body of Christ and make much of Jesus Christ. That's why we've been given gifts. We've not been given gifts to have self-glory. We've not been given a spiritual gift to get a pat on the back. We've been given spiritual gifts to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be our passion every single day in life, is how today can I use what I've been given to give it to the lost world. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 1. I'm in debt to the, to the lost world. I'm in debt to those that are at Rome. I'm in debt to those that don't believe. Because Paul said it like this. I have been given something so great, I'm compelled to give it out. That's us. We've been given salvation and even a blessing after salvation. We've been gifted in a specific way to use what we have to minister for Christ. And so that means if you don't speak in front of people, that's okay. You still have a gift that's to be used greatly for the Lord Jesus Christ. But no matter if you have the gift of administration, if you have the gift of discernment, if you have the gift of teaching, if you have the gift of encouragement, whatever it is, you're doing it for the same reason, to promote and uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. So that's verse number five. Verse number six, diverse ways, but the same power. Diverse ways, but the same power. Look at verse six. 
And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So Paul ends these beautiful three verses. He started with the Spirit. He then goes to the Son. Now he's at the Father. They all three, the Trinity, it's, uh, our mind can't comprehend how intricately they work together, but it's amazing when you study out the Trinity. They have, each, each person had a play in creation. Each person had a play in salvation. And now each person of the Trinity, they have a play in our spiritual gifts. And so he says in verse 6, there are diversities of operations. The Greek word there is effects, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. So you say, well, what's that mean? So Paul is saying we all have this gift, but the way and its effectiveness will be different than the other believers. And so that is not to be confused with, well, that person's doing more than me and that person's better than me. That's not to be confused. And so what he's saying here is we've all been given a specific gift, but the effectiveness of your gift might differ from someone that has the same gift, but that's okay. So if the pastor that pastors the church with 20 people and he leads three people to the Lord a year. And then the pastor that pastors a church with 11,000 people and he leads 10 people to Christ every Sunday. This guy with the small church is still ministering just as faithfully. His effectiveness might not be as great from the world's perspective, but to Christ, his effectiveness is fantastic. And so what he's saying is, we might look from worldly uh, eyes and say, well, he, he's more effective than me. Well, he does more than me. But he says this, look at this, verse number, last part of verse number six. But it's the same God, that's Father, that's our Father. But it's the same God which worketh all in all. And so here, we've seen three things that might be different, but we've seen three things that we're unified together in. We are all unified together in the Spirit living in us. We're all unified together and we're to make much of Jesus. And we're all unified together and we don't operate in our own power. So when we're living out the gift that's been given to us, we are not operating in, and I'm not operating in Travis Shelton. You're not operating in you. You're operating in the empowerment of the Father. And so just like Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, or Philippians chapter 3 rather, that he's operating in the power of the gospel, the resurrection power. And so that's what we're to do. And everything in our life, even with these gifts, we are empowered, not of self, we are empowered of the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so I hear this all the time, teenagers, Christians, I know I'm supposed to do this. Maybe even they know their spiritual gift. I know I'm supposed to minister in this way, but I'm scared. I don't like doing this. I don't like typing this. I don't like saying this. I don't even like doing it behind the scenes. I'm just, I'm scared. And the thing is, we need to understand regarding our spiritual gifts is we don't ever operate in them in our own power. And so if we're living out our spiritual gift, it's not anything you're doing. It's everything that God is doing, giving you all power to equip you to minister as he's called you to minister. And so when he's commissioned us in Matthew 28 to preach the gospel, he's not asking us to preach the gospel in our own power. He's empowering us to preach the gospel because he has risen his son from, Jesus has been risen from the dead and he is empowering us through the eternal life that he gives to preach the gospel to everyone that we come in contact with. That's what he's saying. So verse number six, there are diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. So your mission is to preach the gospel and let God give the increase. So we can sometimes get caught up with how we minister for Christ and what we're, how we're, and the results that we're having. Paul is saying, do not, do not, do not get caught up in the numbers game. Do not get caught up in what the other person's doing. You never, ever compare yourself to another believer. If you compare yourself to another believer, discouragement will set in, depression will set in, you think, you'll think you're not effective, and then what will Satan do? He'll say, you know what, don't even do it anymore. Don't minister for Christ. Don't give your time for Christ. Don't give your life for Christ because you're not doing it good enough. 
And so when we start comparing ourselves to other believers, we then start to fail in our main task, which is to preach Jesus. And so he's saying, the effectiveness might look different for everybody, and it will look different for everybody. But the same God is going to empower you to live out that gift, and the same God's going to empower me to live out my gift every single day that we practice this in our life. Now, there's three things there on your outline, and this is how Paul, how he sums up verses 4, 5, and 6. Number one, grace enables us to receive a gift. That's Jesus dying on the cross, extending us grace. Grace, grace enables us to receive a gift. Number two, this is verse number five, the practical application is to proclaim Jesus. The practical application is to proclaim Jesus. Thirdly, our empowerment comes from God the Father. And so we have the gift is given. So what am I to do with my gift? And we're going to get into what each gift is in the next couple of weeks. But, so I've been given a gift. What am I to do with my gift? Practically, it's Jesus. So however it is, whatever your gift is, you are to make much of Jesus. If it's quiet at home, you're to make much of Jesus. If it's in the car, you're to make much of Jesus. If it's teaching, it's to make much of Jesus. And then you don't rely on self. You rely on the empowerment of God the Father. All right, number four, diverse gifts but the same purpose. Diverse gifts but the same purpose. And so look at verse number seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And so you say, well, what's Paul saying here? He has given every, and here we're going to talk about this, we already said it, but he's given every man a gift. Look at the verse. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. And so if you come in this class this week, or these next couple of weeks, thinking, maybe he's going to tell me I don't have a gift and I don't have to do anything. Oh, that bubble's popped. We all have a gift. We've all been given something by the Spirit that we are to use for him every single day. So, he's bestowed upon you something unique. He's given you something that you can't earn. This is, this is very important. It says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And so a lot of people will think, well, I can make my own gift. I can have whatever gift I want. The gifts in the Scripture are not given to us, or not earned, rather. They're not a merit. They're not earned. We don't work our way for them. We don't buy them. We cannot earn the gift that God has chosen to give us. We can't. There's no way. And so we don't get to select, you know, I want to do this over that. Nope. God has uniquely and sovereignly given you the gift that he thinks and he knows you can benefit the kingdom of God with. And so every man has, has, has received a gift. But what's the purpose of the gift? To profit all. Look at the last part of the verse. To every man to profit with all. And so our purpose in the gift, in the, the giving of gifts, is not to get a pat on the back. Man, that was the Corinthians. I'm going to do what I've been given just to get someone to say good job. So I'm going to get, I'm going to teach, and I'm going to evangelize, and I'm going to do what I'm called to do, all to get some pat on the back and to get a good job and attaboy. That's what they wanted. They wanted self-glorification. And so a lot of times that's what the church is seeking. I'm not saying you guys, but that's what the church is seeking is self-glorification. I'm going to do all that I can I want to be all that I can be, not to glorify my Redeemer, but I want to do all that I can to glorify myself so at the end of the day I can get, hey man, good job. And look, good jobs are great, but that's not what we do it for. We don't do this for ourselves. We don't do this for a pat on the back. We don't do this to be a good person. We don't do this uh, to please God even. We do this for one reason, to profit the body of Christ and to make much of Jesus. 
And so we've all been given a gift. We're placed sovereignly in the body of Christ. And this is true. First Peter uh, says it, uh, and his, Peter writes in First Peter, that when we were saved, we were picked up out of the mire of sin, we were washed off by the blood of Jesus, and we were placed in the body of Jesus. And so in the church, you were placed in Bennett, North Carolina, here for a specific purpose. And your gift is vital. Your gift is needed inside of the body of Jesus. And so you can think, well, man, everybody else has it. The deacons have it. The pastor has it. Everybody's got it. I don't need to use my gift. Look, he's given you a gift for, the pur- for a purpose. And if we're not going to use and empower and equip and use our gift for the body of Christ, then we're not living up to all that he's called us to be. And we're not experiencing the blessings of Christ, kind of like that guy on the cruise ship. We're not eating of all the blessings that he could have had because we're living in what we think we have. And so he's given every man a gift, but also it's to profit. And so you, your gift can benefit the body of Christ more than you know. Eric Cockman, sorry, I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit. He was reading me his gifts today as we were coming on. The, I went to preach at New Life, and he drove, and he was reading me his gifts. And I think his test was a little bit incorrect. He, um, he's an encourager. And so he said he had administration and he had wisdom, and I believe that. But at the end of the day, Eric Cockman is a big encourager. And so if he would not use his encouragement for the church, I don't know where I would be. And so there's days where I can get in a tears and I can get upset and I can get worried about things and I can get all high strung because that's who I am. That's my personality. It's just part of me. And so all I'll do is I'm upset and I'll call Eric Cockman. And man, he encourages me. And five minutes later, I'm ready to charge hell with a squirt gun because Eric Cockman has encouraged me. And so there are days that ministry affects us and we get down in our relationships and we get down in our relationship with Christ and all these things. And if he would not use his encouragement for me, I'll be down and out a lot. And so that's an example, a small example, of how our gifts that we've been given by the Spirit are to benefit the body of Christ. But at the end of the day, that's not even the main goal. The benefit and the profit is to preach Jesus. Look, we are called every single day of our life to make much of Jesus. No matter what we're doing, no matter who we are, no matter what our gift is, we're to make much of Jesus. That is the purpose. Listen, it's not self-glorification. It's I'm living because Christ has saved me. Christ has been so incredibly good to me. And because he's been so good to me, my only response is I have to live my life for him. That's the response. If we are living our life for self-glorification after we've been saved, what's the purpose? We can't do for ourselves what Christ has already done for us. Christ is the only one that can save us. Christ is the only one that can give a gift like that. Christ is the only one that can be gracious and provide mercy and salvation. And so our only response to what Christ has done is I must live and preach Jesus every single day of my life. That should be our motive in life. So before we get into the next couple of weeks, and I hope you'll come back after the syllabus night. Before we get into the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at each gift individually and what your gift might be and how you can figure it out through Scripture, but how you can use that gift. But this simple stuff tonight, what is my gift or what am I supposed to do with my gift? You've got to profess the same Lord. So if you are a believer in Jesus, you have a gift. And listen, if you're not using your gift, there are things in your life, in your Christianity that you're missing out on right now because you're not living up to what God has called you to do. So the main purpose is to glorify Jesus. When I stand before him, listen, we're all going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. Unbelievers will stand before him at the great right throne judgment. We as believers will stand at the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And there we're not giving an account for our sin. We're not saying, well, I was wrong here, I was bad here. We're not. Our sins are not going to be on a projector. What we're giving an account for is how did you serve me? 
Or I gave you this gift, how well did you use it? I gave you this life, how well did you preach Jesus? That's what we're standing before Jesus at the great white throne judgment as he's our judge on how we lived our life for him. And my biggest fear is that I'll stand before him one day and I'll hang my head in shame and say, I could have done more. Look, Jesus has gifted us individually. And we are to use that gift to glorify not self, not a church, not a body. We're to glorify Jesus, the one that died for us. And so let's take these next couple of weeks. There's a couple more things we're going to hit really quickly, and I'm done. We'll be out here a few minutes early. The purpose of your gift, listen, if you don't get anything else in the next three weeks, is to preach Jesus. He should be your life. He should be your passion. And you wake up in the morning, it shouldn't be what's on TV, it should be what's Jesus want me to do today. How can I make much of Jesus today? How can I glorify my Savior today? That's what we should be living for every single day. And so, with that being said, last thing there on your outline, you, don't, you can fill it in or not. But as I was studying, there's a couple things that came up, and we're just going to fly through these really quickly. Why have I not been using my gift properly? And this will set us up for the next couple of weeks for what are our gifts. So why have I not been using my gift properly? So number one, to have and use your gift, you must be saved. To have and use your gift, you must be saved. That goes back to 2 Corinthians, uh, 12, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. You can find that in Romans also. So to use your gift, to have your gift, you must be a believer. And so you're the Sunday night crowd. I believe everybody in here is a believer but this is the syllabus stuff. You know, you got to have it in there. But we have to be a believer to have our gift. So if you're coming in here tonight, you're saying, why have I never even uh, understood what my gift is? How, why have I never had a passion to preach Jesus? The question that I must ask is, do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, you don't have a gift. You might have a talent, you might have an ability, but you don't have a spiritual gift to make much of Jesus if you don't know Jesus. And so number one, you have to know Jesus to have your gift. Number two, you've never been taught about spiritual gifts. And even in school, I did four years of Bible college. I did not have much teaching regarding spiritual gifts. It's just not something that's taught about that often. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter, uh, he, he mentions it a bit. But it's just not something we hear about often. We just get told, hey, preach Jesus. But there's different ways we're all going to make much of Jesus. And when we know how we're going to do it, when we know how we're better equipped, we can, as the church, as the body of Christ, we can be that much more effective for Christ when we know our own way to do it. And so, man, in high school, I was the guy that could not stand to speak in front of people. If Randy Brady was in here, he would tell you I skipped school just so I didn't have to give a presentation. I skipped Jamie Brown's English class just so I didn't have to give a presentation. I despised talking in front of people. So when God called me to preach, I thought, that's wrong. But... <laughs> But it's what he gifted me with. Now I love it. I can't stop talking sometimes. I love to preach the way. I don't like to talk about much, but I love to talk about God's word. But if we're not taught about our spiritual gift, how can we ever use our spiritual gift? So why have you not been using your spiritual gift properly? Maybe you haven't been taught about it. Number three, maybe you've been taught falsely about your spiritual gift. And like I said in the beginning, there's a lot of ignorance circulating on the internet. If you just type in, hey, what's my spiritual gift? They're going to give you some false stuff. You're not going to see or read the truth a lot of times on the internet about spiritual gifts. And so maybe you've had that person on the phone call at 3 a.m. say, hey, if you have not done this, if you don't have that gift, then my friend, you're not a believer. And maybe you believe that. I don't know. But there's a lot of false information regarding spiritual gifts. And maybe the reason you haven't been employing and empowering and using your spiritual gift, you've been taught falsely about it. Number four, you're not growing spiritually and in the Word daily. That's a big one. If we are not as believers... Feasting on God's word every single day. Number one, how will we know about a spiritual gift? 
Number two, how will we know what Christ wants us to do? Number three, how will we grow in our relationship with Jesus if we're never communicating with him? I had a kid at New Life, we did, our, the teenagers did Bible school at New Life, and this kid, he said, Mr. Travis, if what you're telling me is true, how do I know it? Because God is not going to sit right here and audibly tell me what you're telling me, so how do I know it's true? I was like, man, five years old, good question, deep question. Well, what is the answer to that? God does not speak into our ear audibly. God has given us 66 books of inspired words, infallible words, and errant words. This book is without error. This book has no fault. This book is God-breathed, God-inspired, and every word, every line, every sentence, every phrase inside of this book is God's words to you and to me. And so if we neglect God's word, we're not going to minister for him effectively. If we neglect the reading of Scripture, if we put it down when we get home on Sundays and say, you know what, I'll pick it up next Sunday, we're not growing as we should in our relationship with Jesus. We must be students of the Bible. And if we're students of the Bible, that's how we learn to equip, that's how we learn to use and minister for Jesus more effectively, even in the quietness of our house. That's how we're effective for Jesus Christ. So maybe you're not growing spiritually and in the Word daily. Number five, you have bondage or sin that blocks the flow of your gift. You might have bondage or sin that blocks the flow of your gift. Say, what's bondage? Hebrews says it like this, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset you. And so bondage could be something that's not sin. It could be just fear, and fear can turn into sin, but it could be something as simple as fear. You're terrified of what others will say if you use your spiritual gift. That was me for the longest time. I was terrified. I mean, I got called to preach at a summer camp in Tennessee going into my junior year of high school, and I was all out petrified to tell people at what God had done in my life. Fear for two years blocked the flow of my gift. And I regret that. I wish I would have used my gift earlier in my life because I, maybe I could have made a difference with my friends and those people around me at school. I wish I would have known my gift. But a sin or a bondage of fear, worry, doubt, or sin, if there's sin in our life, we're living a life outside of God's word, that is sin, and it's going to block the flow of the spiritual gift in our life and we're not going to minister as effectively. The last one, you are not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. So maybe you are living in bondage. Listen, believer, we're unified together and we profess the same Lord, we have the same Spirit, and if you are not operating in the power of the Spirit, the spiritual gift will not flow in your life like it should. So we as believers, we've been given something so fantastic. We have a Spirit that lives and indwells on the inside of us every single day. And we are to tap into that power. Look, he's jealous of us. He wants our attention. He wants our affection. But he gives us power, and God the Father empowers us to use these gifts. And so if we're not operating in the God-given power that we have, we're not going to effectively use the spiritual gift that we've been given. And so these six things, to use your spiritual gift, you must be saved. Maybe you've never been taught about spiritual gifts. Maybe you've been taught falsely about spiritual gifts. Maybe you're not growing. Maybe you have bondage or sin, or maybe you're not operating in the Holy Spirit. But what I want us to do in the next couple of weeks, and I hope you'll be faithful, and I'm not going to rag you or not. I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope it'll be beneficial. That's my prayer. Look, I want this to be beneficial to the people of God. I want God's people to leave more equipped knowing how they can better minister and proclaim Jesus Christ in their personal life. That's my prayer. Look, if we are not going to be effective for Jesus, what's the point? We are a lost world outside of these doors. There are people we come in contact with every single day that need to know Jesus, and you have a gift. You can help the body do that, or you can do that yourself through a speaking gift. So next week we're going to look at the different kinds of gifts, how you can know what your gift is, and we might start going into detail about each gift. So thank you so much for coming. I really hope it's been a blessing and encouragement. And what is, is that spiritualgifttest.com? There's a, if you have time this week, I'm not going to say you have to. We'll figure it out through Scripture. But this is a little beneficial tool 
that I think would be great if everybody could take it to give you a little uh, starting ground for when we go over the gifts. You can say, hey, that test told me. You're not going to come in here and share it. But you can say, hey, that test told me that might be my gift, so let me study it out a little bit more. And so we're going to go one by one through the gifts in the next couple of weeks, what they are, and how practically you can use them in the website. The spiritualgiftstest.com. If you want to take that, that would be great. That will help you maybe understand. And those can be wrong, so we're not basing that as Scripture, but it's just a little thing you can take and uh, to help you maybe understand the avenue yours is going. I think Eric was wrong. He's an, he's an encourager, so I already saw a fault in it. But, no. but um, spiritualgiftstest.com, and we'll employ that, and we'll look at Scripture next week. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you so much for this group of people that have come out on a Sunday night. Father, they could be doing a lot of things. They could be in a lot of different places. They could be in different classes. But, Father, they want to learn the spiritual gift that you've given them. And so, Father, I pray you would use me in the next couple of weeks and use your word, Father, to convey the truths of Scripture about these spiritual gifts. Father, I pray that we would not be ignorant regarding these. I pray we would truly desire to know our gift so that we can employ it in our life and be as much as we can be for Jesus Christ. Father, if there's one in here that, is, that doesn't know anything about their gift, maybe they've not placed their faith in Jesus, let them realize tonight the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died for them, he was buried, he rose again the third day, offering them the free gift of eternal life. So Father, bless this time together that we've had. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.